0: Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about how to name your baby. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the classic question. I had a person in Ditcherville ask me about their new business. They're going to start a consulting business. And the question was, should I name it after myself, or should I come up with a company
1: name? Classic. Right. you want my thoughts on this?
0: Just We can dive right in.
1: Well, I, my classic answer to this is, you know, what do you want to do with the business? You know, and an example, when I started my first business, I had a very clear outcome in mind that had employees that would grow, that would have multiple offices. So the last thing I would have done was put my name on that business. Um, if you know now that it's just going to be you, like you're very clear that that's the business that you want then probably putting your own name on it is a good idea. And then there's all sorts of territory in between. Like right now, um, most people, unless they've gotten like an invoice from me, uh, don't know my company name, right? My business resides at RochelleMoulton.com. My company name is Be Unforgettable Media Inc. But so what? Like I don't (laughs) use that anywhere unless I go to a conference and they make you fill in the blank like it's required to hit send and send them your money. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think it has to start with what it is that you know for sure you want to create. And if you're not sure, you know, you can start with your name. You can always change it later.
0: Yeah. When I ever I get this question, I'm very much on the fence about it. I've answered it probably a hundred times. And usually the situation is that, you know, for the people that, that, I'll probably listening to the show, the kind of people that I, I work with in general, they're not starting a business model kind of business where they have to send their business plan to investors and, you know, it's, and it's going to have hundred employees and blah, blah, blah. So usually what happens is it's someone where the, where I could go either way. And my aunt, my, my glib quick TLDR answer is if you're even considering using your own name, just use your own name. Right. Like if it's if it's because the story you just told, you were not ever going to consider using your own name. No. Right. So I'm like, do not get hung up on this decision. Just start with your own name. If you have to change it for some reason later, fine. You know, are there pros and cons? Could you regret using your own name or using a company name down the road in three years or five years? Maybe. But you don't have any of the information right now or most of the information right now that you're going to need to make that decision. So just do the easy thing. And then I would ask a series of questions that are, or walk almost walk them through an exercise that's just a general naming exercise, which is not necessarily for your business, uh, or not. It could be for a product, it could be for a workshop, it could be for a book, it could be for a podcast. And general naming principles, I think, are more important than whether or not it's actually your personal name or if it's some company name you make up. And then if so, if you and if you get there, then it's kind of like well. Is it easy to understand? Is it easy to say? Is it going to get confused with something else? Do people feel cool saying it, or do they feel cringy saying it? You're like, just, just it doesn't matter if it's your name or a company name; it just becomes like a naming thing. And I'll, we'll walk through that kind of exercise. So, like for example, recently I got this question from even another person, who is I don't know where they're from, but they're not from the United States, and they have a name that is very difficult to pronounce for English speakers and English speakers were going to be this person's audience. So it was like, well, okay. I mean, there might be a good reason to switch it almost like the way a movie star might switch their name.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So sometimes I would say like, eh, don't use your own name. It's too hard to spell. It's too hard to say. Everyone's always going to be asking you um, like how to pronounce it. They're going to be spelling it wrong constantly. You know, if if that's the domain name, then that could be problematic. But, But at the same time, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> There's always an exception to every rule.
0: Well, Mike McCallowitz I think, is hilarious has a hilarious he makes a joke out of it, which I think is really funny. And, you know, he when he's on a podcast, he doesn't his website is MikeMakalowitz.com, but he sends people to Mike Motorbike because it tells this story about how when he was in high school, everybody called him Michael Michael Motorcycle. So he just said, ah, it's easier to just remember Mike Motorbike dot com and then that'll redirect you to his site and then when you get to his site there's a little speaker next to his name like a little icon and you can click on it to hear how to pronounce it and then if you keep clicking it he tells a bunch of jokes about that people would joke about his name like make fun of his name and it's it's hilarious he makes a big deal out of it um but like you said it's perhaps the exception that proves the rule it's like do you really want (laughs) to do you really want to deal with that i don't know
1: well, that also fits his personality and his brand. Like, it's just yes. him. But I, I think there's, there's two other pieces to this. And, and one is, I think we don't realize how easy it is to change the name later. Like mm-hmm. this, the Be Unforgettable Media is, is not my first company name. It had another name before that. And it's no big deal. I mean, you pay like, I don't know, in California, you pay 500 or or $1,000 to the state, and they check a box, and boom, you have a new name. It's right. not complicated. The other thing that happens a lot is when people are first starting their business and where they're leaving like a corporate job, it's kind of like there's this excitement. I'm creating a business. And -hmm. it's like, it's almost like you want to be like the people that are creating tech businesses with cool, buzzy names. It's, there's almost like you want to over-identify with that. So I think your advice about, you know, if, if if you just, if you're thinking about using your name, just do it. Um, is not is not bad in this case because you can change it. And I do think in our zeal to start businesses, we tend to go a little too far, like a pendulum in that one direction initially.
0: Yeah, like it'll feel realer or more serious or something if there's a business name, which isn't false. Yeah. And another thing to ask yourself, another thing that I have people ask themselves, deciding between your specific name and maybe some company name that you'll come up with for me is like, just use your name. Because if you don't, you're going to spend the next six months trying to pick a good name. If you do have an actual idea for a company name, then you can kind of compare the two head to head and say like, well, pros and cons of this one versus that one. Um, you know, the company name's really easy to spell, really easy to remember. The .com the com's available, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know and if your name is like john smith or or something completely you know that's super common or something that's unpronounceable or is commonly misspelled then i might swing into the company name category depending on you know if if i think it's better from a general naming standpoint
1: well the other thing to remember is when you have a company name and your name you're forcing people to remember two things yeah and that's the thing that, um, especially for somebody who's just starting, I, I hate when they do that because hmm. you're so excited about the, the name, but the name doesn't really matter because it's just you. Yeah. And instead of pouring all that energy into coming up with like a creative name, if you don't have a business plan that goes with that idea, you can pour that energy into thinking about your point of view mm-hmm. and who you want to help. And then use some of that creative energy after you figure out this other stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. I I, tell me what you think. I mean, you're the branding person, but but I have always found it more difficult to pivot brand names than to pivot someone's name.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is because you're you're the constant through all of this, whether Mm -hmm. you're the CEO of a huge company or you're the CEO of a company of one, you're the constant. And so, yeah, the name becomes. Yeah, the name becomes a challenge.
0: Right. So if you use a company name that is, puts you, so it's, this is a little bit weird because I almost feel like we're, we're negating some of our specialization or niching advice. But if you're like, if your domain name or your company name has, you know, like what you do in it, I don't know, like flugel copywriting services, and then you want to pivot into, or you want to go up altitude you want to increase your altitude and go into positioning or messaging or branding or something farther up the food chain from copywriting it's you it, you can't yeah you're just constantly going to be fighting against that name because it's too specific about what you do and it doesn't give you a lot of flexibility
1: well you i mean there's a way to do it it's just not elegant i mean the way to do it is to use a new url keep the old company name but just don't use it for anything that and i would argue we'll just change the name in your state or your country, depending on where you are, your province. It just, you know, and just, I mean, because you're going to do it. I mean, in the if you're running a business for 10 years or more, you're probably going to change the name of your company once. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, there's no should about this. No. I mean, you may just get it right the first time and you call it, you know, Jonathan Stark, Inc. And you're off to the races, yeah. right? But you know, most people go through stages with this, and if you're at the beginning stages, which is kind of what we're assuming when it's the name of the company, um, take the easy route. Unless, again, unless you have this vision, because for the most part, your name will allow you to do your vision. Where it doesn't work is when you have a vision that includes lots of other people helping you to do that, like whether you're hiring mini me's or you're Um, licensing something where you don't want it attached to your name. You want people to be able to look at others and say, yeah, it doesn't have to be Rochelle because her name isn't on the door. It could be anybody in the firm as long as they know what they're doing.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's a very specific. To me, that's almost like a startup model where you're like, oh, you're out raising money. Of course, you're not going to use your name if you're building a SaaS, let's say. so. But that's not the kind of people we're talking to. I agree with your assumption that if as someone who's making this decision is at the beginning, so they're probably thinking a lot about what they might do maybe someday. I don't want to limit myself. To, I might want to hire employees at some point, or I might want to sell the company at some point. It's like, that's way down the road. The The vibe I get from people that ask this question, especially when they don't have a specific company name in mind, they're just thinking theoretically. That if they use their name, they'll be tied to the business forever, and that it would be impossible to maybe someday sell it to someone, you know, and or yeah. or, or whatever. And they it feels it almost feels limiting. And I'm like, no, nah, I think the exact opposite is what's true is that you're at the beginning, you're probably going to be learning a lot about your niche market, your specialization, your passions, your genius, all these things, and you want to be able to kind of fish around and explore without having to change your domain name every six months. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's surprisingly, so it's one thing, like you said, it's not hard to change your domain name. You can just have it redirect to a new one. The thing that is hard is if you've created a lot of content that where the name is embedded, you mm-hmm. know, for example, if we were going to change the name of this podcast, that would mean editing 370 some or whatever it is, wherever we're up to, 312 episodes where we say it twice in the episode
1: we are so not going to do that
0: (laughs) we are so not going to do that right so there there are places the name does get embedded in places your email address for example like i've had people where they're you know it's good to have a business address i think that's you know having a gmail account and being a high price consultant doesn't doesn't fly but if you've got you know you like your name at whatever flugelmotiongraphics.com and it's like shh all right, now if you had ch yes, you can change your domain name, and yes, you can update your email, and yes, you can forward things, but it is takes forever to get those old email threads onto yeah. the new address, and it's like, oh. Keep so, it simple. Right. So at the beginning, using your name actually gives you way more flexibility. I, I, it's been my experience, not just with me, but with students, where it's you can you can experiment more easily and try different things tweak things, do have pivots, introduce new products or services that maybe wouldn't have aligned with the company name that you would have picked, that kind of thing. So it, yeah. it's the opposite of limiting. I think it's actually uh, freeing.
1: Well, and there's another thing that happens that's a little insidious, which is you pick a company name, but you're really operating as a solo. And then you use that company name and you create a website. And then you start saying, we. Oui. Oui. Yeah. Yeah. And that becomes a problem. I can't tell you how many we's I've unwound to I, and it still feels weird to the person because it's this corporate like thing that's not a person. Um, and you can absolutely do it. You can have a a name that's not yours for your organization and your URL, and you can still use I, but it does tend to create this barrier between you and the marketplace and your message. And it's artificial a lot of the time, again, not if you've got a business plan or, you know, a plan for your business that says, I want to grow in this way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most of the time with the folks we attract, it feels like, you know, you're wearing your dad's suit. (laughs) It doesn't quite fit. (laughs) It's like, there's something funny about it when it, when it's artificial. And, And I, I understand why you would do it. Um, but it feels to me, it's just like, it's just like easy to get hung up on. And I feel like Usually, the person's instincts are 180 degrees opposite of what I would recommend. So, yeah,
1: well, you come out of corporate, and you know, and, and at least for me, you know, I didn't come out of corporate per se, but you know, big consulting, which is similar. And we were beaten over the head from birth that it, everything is we. There is no I in consulting, although there actually is, but there's <laughs> it's we, right? And so, if you come from corporate, which almost by definition has a certain formality to it. And then you're coming into your new business and you're bringing over some of that formality. And really what happens is the marketplace will beat it out of you over time, right? (laughs) If you're paying attention, (laughs) you'll realize that people don't respond when you use, you know, corporate speak, or if you sound like a bureaucrat, um, they're not going to respond to you in a a marketing sense in the same way.
0: Yeah, let's drill into that a little bit, because I think what ends up happening is, you end up being worst of both worlds. So you come across as bureaucratic and corporate, but then when they get on a sales call, oh, it's just you. We were hoping it was going to be someone with a deep bench. So you're attracting the wrong kinds of clients. You want to attract the ones who are looking for the sort of, you know, instead of the Queen Mary, they're looking for someone who can zip around in a jet ski. Like they want someone quick. They want an expert that they can work with directly. Uh, So pretending that it's, that you're not, a solo expert that they can work with directly is probably going to put, not push away, but just like not attract people who are looking for exactly what you are. And then when you do attract people who want this more corporate, safer option, and they find out that it's just you, they start asking questions like, well, you know, I need, you have $2 million of Eno insurance, and I need to see your, you know, your tax returns from last year. And like, we we don't trust you. We, We weren't looking for an individual. We were looking for a company, like a group.
1: Yeah, it's it's you know the the words I would use are alignment and transparency, right? And the transparency yep. is you really want people to see who you are in in a typical in quotes corporate environment, you know you're always presenting this face to the world that isn't necessarily reality. It's usually fairly far removed from reality. <laughs> So, you know, you don't, you, you want to break that habit. The people that will hire you as a soloist, you want them to love the fact that you're a solo. Exactly. And, and you want to extol the virtues of what they get by your being solo. And you're not, I mean, you can, um, offset the, um, the downsides, but for a client who wants a certain type of organization, you're not going to be in their, in their screen anyway. Mm-hmm. Right, you're you're just and most savvy corporate buyers can see through a website that says we <laughs> and has no other faces but yours. <laughs> yeah, and you know is is kind of quiet about the details or doesn't have the logos that they would expect to see. So you know you want to attract the people that you really can help that you want to help, not the ones who think you're something you're not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. What what would you say to someone that does have one of those really tough names, like like a Mike McCallowitz type of name? Did you Would you say, oh, you know, do you kind of agree with me? Like, well, maybe it would be useful to come up with, uh, I, I would almost want to come up with a made up word, not quite, it's a little overstating it, but a word that would, it was going to give you all the flexibility. It doesn't imply anything specific, like Apple, it doesn't say computers, mm-hmm. for example. It's like something that's going to give you a lot of flexibility. Um, but but maintain the I ness of the website. So for, I'll give you an example of where my head's going. So there's a this guy named I don't even know his last name. It's Brett from Design Joy, <laughs> and I, there are a few of those. I don't know. I have no idea if his last name is a, a mouthful or it's Smith. I don't know. But Brett from Design Joy. And I've got a couple of students who've kind of kind of emulated that approach where it's like first name from company name. Mm -hmm. And the company name, you know, Design Joy, it's, I suppose it's limiting in the sense you're expecting to get design services from it, but that's not that limiting. It is a little bit, I suppose, but for this guy, he's a designer. He's probably going to always be designer as far as he's he's concerned.
1: Design Joy is a good name too.
0: Right. It's easy to remember. It's easy to spell. Mm -hmm. It's easy to say. You're not worried you're pronouncing it wrong. Uh, It's not cringy in my opinion. So it's like, okay, Brett from Design Joy. Kind of like a hybrid approach, I think, for people that do have a real rough name uh, that they constantly have to spell. For, it's just everyone's always getting it wrong. I mean, Jonathan's bad enough. Like nobody spells Jonathan the same way twice. And there, It's and
1: so funny to me. That seems like such a simple like American.
0: J-O-H-N-A-T-H-A-N, J-O-N-A-T. There's like so many variations. I, bought, I, th- I still own several misspellings, common misspellings of my domain name that all mm. redirect to the correct spelling. It's it's rare for someone to spell it right, it feels like. Yeah. Even my family.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, my name is not easy unless you know it. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Luckily, there's more Rochelles now than there were when I was growing up.
0: AI definitely doesn't like it. Yeah. Michelle Moulton.
1: Oh, it's uh, Michelle Rolton is the other <laughs> one. Yeah. Yeah. AI does not get me.
0: Yeah. So, okay.
1: Well, so I, I think a lot depends on, you know how you think of the word difficult. And I think it depends on your audience. So, so there, there's, um, there are names that um, are really difficult for Western English speakers to get because there's a lot of consonants in them. Right. And so, you know, but it may be that when you pronounce it, it's actually really simple, but the spelling of it is challenging. Mm-hmm. So um, then I would say, again, it depends on your connection with your name. Like, I'm not going to say to somebody, you need to change your name. I'm just, Your name is what you're, you know, you're, you're, you're raised with. I won't say born with, but it, it has been applied to you. And usually you don't have any options to change it legally until you're an adult. But you probably have come up with some other ways to refer to yourself if you really didn't like your name. So I look at that as 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 kind of a starting point. And then is there something you can do with the name? If it's a a ubiquitous name, like there's so many of them, like John Smith, then the question is, how can you differentiate? I kind of like your example of Brett at Design Joy. I could see how that would work. And I, I think I would introduce myself that way, like if I were on a podcast, it's like mm-hmm. oh, Brett from Design Joy. Right right. And I'd I'd probably use my last name unless it was unpronounceable, but if it was, you know, for, for an English speaker, but, um, if it was anything else, I would still, I would still use my name, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was introducing myself someplace. So, um, and another way to do it is to use, you know, some aspect of what you do, that's a high enough level. Um, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, like if you're in systems, for example, maybe there is a word you can include with your name that or part of your name. So like Christie something. I can't think of an example without giving away the one that I worked on. And I I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to out them without permission.
0: You you could, you could say like, whatever, John Smith systems design, or that's kind of long, but, but I like your, I like your suggestion to keep it really high level. Like most, like if I, even if, even if someone was working with me and they're like, oh, John Smith, and I'd be like, well, I'd probably go with it from a domain name standpoint, like John Smith's going to be easy to remember. And if you just put John Smith Consulting, it leaves you open to all sorts of advisory kinds of engagements. Right? It's not yeah. like, a, it's not super specific. Or maybe you could say, you know, John Smith Strategy or something high level.
1: Yeah. Leave yourself room to maneuver. But at the same time, you want people to be able to find you. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the challenge when your name is very common is yes. that, how are they going to know that that one is you? Yes. And it's mm-hmm. easy enough, even if you're not sure if your name is common. So for example, when I first started doing online work, there was another Rochelle Moulton, which shocked mm-hmm. me. i I'm like, yeah. are you serious? How could there be another Rochelle Moulton? And, um, and she was a Canadian and a soccer player, apparently a really good soccer player. And then all of a sudden she disappeared. And I was like, yay, she got married and changed her name.
0: So uh-huh.
1: It's like this is so much easier. But before when you would do a search, we would both come up. Yeah. I still wasn't going to change my name. We weren't in the same field. And I, I actually thought it'd be cool if somebody thought I was a really good athlete. <laughs> but yeah, which is a total lie. I'm not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's that's part of it. You can look it up and see. And sometimes you just don't. No, until you Google and see all the stuff that comes up. And I have, um, I've worked with, there was someone I worked with once who had the name, I kid you not, of a killer, a Ooh. well-known, not a serial killer, but a a, a, a celebrity, a, not a celebrity, a, a killer celebrity. Is that the right word? Someone who had murdered their wife. Aye. And the name was really well-known. And this person wasn't that person, but they had this name. Oh, you may. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, don't even talk about what that does, like, in your personal life. But for business, um, we created a company name. Yeah. With that co- situation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That This is a great point, right? Because if someone hears hears you on a podcast, let's say, or hears about you from a, from a friend or somewhere on LinkedIn or whatever, they are probably going to go your name. So th- mm-hmm. this is one of those things that I might ask someone if they were sort of debating the pros and cons of this choice. I'd be like, well, what happens when you Google your name? You know, assuming that you can, it's spellable. It's reasonably, it, it's reasonably easy to spell. And what comes up? So like for, for my name, I for a long time, as far as Google was concerned, I was the third most famous Jonathan Stark. There was a... <laughs> There's a TV writer who actually acted in a few horror movies who would be the top hit, and there's a tennis player who was like a, a champion doubles tennis player. And, you know, all white middle-aged guys. So when the little thumbnail comes up, it's like, wait, is this the right one?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So fortunately, neither one of them blogs <laughs> at all. That helps. And eventually, yeah, so eventually I... I uh, float up to the top a little bit more, but, um, but that is one of those things I would consider, like, how are they going to find you? And when they do search for you, how are they going to know they found the right one? This, this has happened to me sometimes when I'm like, when, when you Google for someone who's had like, um, a couple of acts, you know what I mean? Like they've, they've first, they were, I don't know, like a boxer. And then they were, what do you call it? motivational speaker and Mm -hmm. then they wrote a book and then they were motivational speaking you're like i'm like is this is is this guy a boxer before like what is this the right thing this doesn't seem like the right thing it it can get i've had that happen where i'm like i don't think this is the right person
1: well i've I've done that with research when somebody will reach out to me um and they want to have a conversation and they'll give Mm -hmm. me you know their name obviously and i want to know more about who they are and It's, you know, I've found some surprises from time to time. Yeah. (laughs) And some people, you know, especially sort of like the Hollywood crowd, they work really hard to not be seen. Right. They don't want their information out in public. So it's Mm. harder. Certain producers and writers and people like that are they like to be a little quieter. So, yeah, Mm. I mean, you have to kind of look at it as. Are they going to find you? Are they going to be confused about you? Or are they going to think you're somebody else? And then right. that the problem with that is most of us, when we're looking for services, we're not going to wait to find out. If there is that moment where you're not sure, you're like, eh, move on. Because you want to be able to trust the people that you're hiring to do, you know, these kinds of important um, professional service type activities. And if you're not sure... Right. It's first of all, you're making them work harder, and and they won't Mm -hmm. unless they're extremely highly motivated. They're going to stop. Oh, yeah, I couldn't find her. No, sorry. Yeah, Sally Bell. Nope. There's only seven hundred of them. Yeah. Oh, look, it's time for lunch. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly.
0: Yeah. So I guess I, I guess the the way I would look at it, if you're dear listener, if you're in this position, I would think like I would I would default to. Generally speaking, I would default to your name. And then there's kind of like, you know, we've listed maybe six different reasons why you might rule out your name for some good reason. And then go from there, you know, because if, if you're at the beginning of this path, this journey into sort of solopreneurship, things are going to change. You're going to want to, you're going to want the freedom to, to kind of like tack, like, you know, sailing. You're going to, you're going to want to be able to pivot around a little bit, find your sea legs and having too much specificity in the name ends up, I, I, I can't think of a time when I've seen someone limited by using their name. And I can think of times when I've seen people limited by the name of a podcast, product, business, like all of that stuff have been like, ah, we, we want to branch, you know, this, this SAS, we want to branch into something that isn't the name. And so you're just going to be fighting it. You're fighting it unless you change it. And then you, then like all of those I mean, backlinks will survive, but the brand equity, the searching, the confusion, all of that stuff is like working against you. I've had, I've had a couple of people change podcast names. And fortunately in the, the situations I can think of, it was usually early in the show and and through doing their first 10 interviews, they're like, Oh, now I know what this show's about. And and they're like, I want to go back. I want to change the art, change the name, redo the intros. So the correct name is in the intro. And that's not the worst thing in the world.
1: Especially because the audience at the beginning is usually pretty small, so you're not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, But the other thing I I wanted to say before we switch topics is, you know, niche your services, not your name, right? So you you can keep the name broad, but still niche your services. I mean, that's where our messages are not. They might feel like they're, they're counter to each other, but they're really not. Have your name give you enough room to maneuver because the name other than the URL doesn't really matter, right? It's the URL that matters and how easy you are to find and then um, niche the services. So if you want to serve designers, you don't have to have that in the name, but you can have that in your message and everything that you write and speak about.
0: Right. So that's a great point. Um, I, I found this with my, when I first went solo and with a lot of people, one of the things that happens when you're first starting out is that you think of yourself synonymously with the business and you really only have one offer. So it's like, like when I first started out, it was like, I did file maker consulting. That was my very first thing I did when I was solo. And I, and there was only one way I did it projects. That was it. It was like client work. I didn't do any advisory stuff at the beginning, really. So I only had one item on my product ladder. It was like, there was only one way to engage with me. There's only one thing I did, really. So there wasn't a lot of positioning I could do independently, or it didn't seem that way. It was like, I am the offer. You
1: Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah.
0: So as I branched out, or for people that have different offers already, it, it gives you all the latitude you need. Just like you said, Rochelle, it gives you all this latitude to get really specific with like what each thing in the product ladder, who it's for and what it's for. And as long as your umbrella positioning for your name or the business itself is encompasses all of those things, I think it's fine. Like you can get super specific and specialized in a particular offer and eat, you know, it's like, oh, I do, I do, uh, I don't know, marketing services for, uh, co-working spaces. All right, that's kind of that's actually yeah. I just I'm I do online marketing, right? So that's the the high level John Smith online marketing. Okay, great. But then if all of your products and services are for co working spaces of different types, different sizes, I think it's fine that your overall business is just like oh, I do whatever digital marketing or online marketing. And having the offers each rung of the ladder be super specific for a target market that you're either experimenting with or you've got some traction with. Uh, Gives you that kind of flexibility that it's a specific example of the kind of flexibility you get if you do use your own name and not like putting co-working spaces in your title or your URL or your business your whole business yeah. name.
1: Yeah. Co co-working is us. Co-working are us is us. Yeah. yeah
0: Co-working are us. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> I was thinking plural, but yeah, yeah co-working yeah. is us. But yeah. So um I think we probably beat that one into Mm -hmm. submission do you want to talk a little bit about um how we name things that are not the business but like products and services and yeah social handles
0: yeah man social's work let's hold off on social because that's where it gets (laughs) weird Um, Well, especially
1: because it used to really matter on twitter and now twitter is such a a graveyard that uh doesn't matter anymore.
0: It's really hard to be multiple things on social. It's especially if you're a soloist, you don't want to double the work you need to do on social media if you're using social media. Yeah. So, I'm like, just be your name. Even if you're Brett from Design Joy or Chris from Go Make Things or whatever, then you're still going to be Chris or or Brett or Jonathan or Rochelle on social media cuz social media is inherently like like I know there are brands on social media and some of them do a good job, but Primarily, it's like a people place. It's people, yeah. Yeah. So, so just be your name there. And in, in your content, you know, you can write it for whoever, right? So, anyway, so, so social is like its own, its own thing. I get, maybe that's all I have to say about social. Uh, but the others, the other things I help people all the time name things like their podcast or their mailing list or something uh, or a workshop. And, yeah.
1: and names really matter there.
0: I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's a a lot less
1: than the name of your company. I mean, a lot more, excuse me. Right. It matters a lot more more than the name of your company.
0: Right. It's a really great opportunity to position the thing. And you don't want to be fighting against the name all the time. Like, name it something that is misleading or that that you learn people take the wrong way. And then you're constantly explaining, like, oh, well, you know, like I, I felt like when we had Paul Jarvis on the show years ago, he had this book Company of One. But then he was always doing this disclaimer of like, well, it's not that it's just you. It's like, well, that's the title of the book. (laughs) And he, you know, he he negotiated that dance, but he had to do it every single time he went on a podcast interview. Yeah. Like they would say, like, does this mean you can't hire? It's like, no, you can hire. I hire people all the time. And it's like, well, okay, but I feel like the title is fighting against them in that scenario. Yeah. And you can it's very easy to have that situation when you are first creating something. And you're still trying to figure out exactly what it is. Like I said with the podcast example where, you know, they interview 10 people and they're like, oh, you know what I should have called this. You know what this really is about is a little bit cooler and more specific and, and is going to get more traction. If I rebrand it instead of sticking with this name that maybe was too high level or too generic or too um, aspirational or something, something not mm-hmm. or too vague or clever, clever is a death blow.
1: Well, the thing is though that it, the opposite is true a lot though, is people get really pedestrian with their names The okay. blah, blah 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 and it puts you to sleep, and you't you don't know what it is. It puts you to sleep, and I'm like, "I don't want to buy something that is like boring, right? So I would rather see somebody experiment and go too far to to the side of out there and reel it back than to have something that is just so forgettable. It's a yawn. That's true. Yeah. Nobody looks at it.
0: Right. I I get less of that, but that is true. You can do that. Most people I get are trying to be a little bit clever or they're trying to pretend they're bigger than they are or whatever. And it's an all understandable impulses. Um, But, you know, I can tell you when when someone is like, oh, I'm thinking of starting this podcast. This happens every time I do 5DPC. It's like somebody's, everybody's like, what should I call it? What should I call it? Almost nobody knows what to call it. And I can't, and I, generally speaking, I can say, well, that's going to be a really hard name to say every week. It's just too long or not poetic mm-hmm. enough, or it's just hard to say. So, you know, you can, I can say like, well, that's just going to be really hard to say. So you probably want to make it something that's easier to say. It rolls off the tongue a little more easily, but in terms of what the, but beyond that, in terms of what, what's the word choice, I can't say without knowing who the audience is supposed to be. So I'm always like, I'm like, what do you want to call it? The first day of that workshop, I'm like, you know, design the show. Like, what do you want to call it as a starting point, as a draft? What do you want to call it? Who's the ideal listener? What is the promise you're making to the listener? Like, if you give me, you know, Mm -hmm. 30 to 60 minutes a week, I promise thing. Mm -hmm. And then what would be the tagline for the show? And without knowing who the audience is, I, I... it's difficult to know or the promise or all of those things i kind of need to know all of that mm-hmm. to have an opinion about what the what the name should be
1: well yeah because it, the assumption in all of this is we're selling something right even if it's free right? right you're you're selling attention on your podcast and so yeah i i think it's really important and you know one way to go is to identify your audience in the title which is what i've done with soloist women mm-hmm. right and um, now that's not, it's very specific in terms of the audience. It's not so specific about what's in it. And so then you use the tagline for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you did a lot of research before, because that name is very limiting.
1: Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. I wouldn't call a company that.
0: Right. But you knew that going in, like you did a ton of research. You thought about it a lot. You you know had reason to believe that this was going to be the right name. And it's a low risk. It's relatively low risk. Totally. Yeah. It's like, well.
1: It doesn't. Wait, let me back that up, though. It felt riskier than it was. (laughs) Right. Right. And I don't just say that because it resonated. It's still. So if it didn't resonate, I'd just change it. It's not Mm -hmm. that big a deal.
0: Right. It really isn't. At the beginning, it's really not that big a deal to change the podcast name. Something that's a little trickier would be a book. Where I I generally go through the exact same process with a book. It's like, who is it for? What's the promise? You know, and it's like, what do you want to call it? If you you usually have some idea of what to call it. And then you can kind of, you can kind of put yourself in the ideal reader's shoes and and react to the name that way.
1: I think I would add um, one thing to that, which is I always look to see how does the proposed title relate to your brand and your brand strategy? Because the ideal for businesses like ours is that everything goes around one central, um, I was going to say theme, but it's almost like one central thing. Because ideally, we get to the point where we have one um, showcase product or service that we offer. And so when you're trying new things you're not necessarily going to brand it with the name you've done with these other things but you want it in the same to use your language solar system yeah you want it to be or in the same orbit even to get it a little bit closer it's it's this idea of how does it is it a stepping stone to something or is this an experiment away from something that might be towards something new so i always want to look back at the strategy overall strategy for your brand and say, okay, how does this fit? Is this bringing you closer to what you already have? Is it an experiment in a new direction? And how do we, if it's, if it's the latter, how do we kind of build that bridge yep. so that people understand the relationship to what you've done before and this new thing?
0: God, I totally agree. Yeah. You, you, if you can do that, it's great because it, it creates that flywheel effect where everything just makes sense It doesn't, it's not like out of left field, you know, if I I released a knitting guide, it would be like, what? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. But if I have a book called Hourly Billing is Nuts and I have a podcast called Ditching Hourly and I have a community called Ditcherville, it all makes sense. It's like, it's like, they don't have to have the same name. But one thing I'll tell you a quick, I think around the time when I really started to take this series, I probably around 2016 when I published Hourly Billing is Nuts, I wanted people to be able to introduce me, especially on podcasts or conferences as Jonathan Stark, author of Hourly Belling Is Nuts, host of Ditcherville, and maintains a daily list for independent professionals, price on pricing for independent professionals. I wanted it to have like three different brand names that circled around the mission of Ditching Hourly. And I never named my list. And it kills me to this day that I never came up with a name for my list. Mm. It drives me nuts. <laughs> but at this point, it's like, eh, it's kind of like too late for that, maybe. Or just it would feel so artificial if I plastered a name. It's like John's Daily List is kind of what it ended up being. But it bums me out that I didn't come up with a name for it.
1: Okay, so so I'm going to push back on this because I could make the argument that it's actually good that you didn't name the list because what if you decided to expand your focus i'm not going to say change i'm going to say expand what if you said all right i want to do something that is a step up Mm -hmm. from in altitude from the topic you've been talking about the daily list allows you to do that and not have to rebrand it or rethink it so there i mean there's there's some advantages in that potentially for you too
0: right yeah if it was called pricing tips
1: yeah then you'd be like ah right yeah and the truth is, with lists like that, you know, we, they are living, breathing things, right? Because we keep writing new stuff and we gain new people. It's very organic. We gain right. new people. We lose people who don't like, you know, a direction that we're going in or they go in a different direction. It's very organic. And so, yeah, I, there's an, there is an advantage to not naming your list, or some people would call it a newsletter. Don't right. love that name either. I know.
0: We have, yeah. We've debated this recently at length in Ditcherville. It's like, well, everybody gets what newsletter means, even though the word doesn't seem like the right word. But yeah. Well, it's yeah. not
1: sexy. I, it's like, oh, do you want to sign up for my newsletter? Oh, yeah. Well, it's yeah, not I news. Really do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's not news. It's And it's certainly, a newsletter implies like news about our retail store. It's like, oh, these are the sales for this month. It's like, yeah, it's not. Yeah, It's not like that, but everybody gets. Yeah, we everybody get what understands it is, word, but it so. doesn't,
1: it doesn't, as a, as a reader, it doesn't make me go, oh yes, let me sign up.
0: Mm-hmm. Like newsletter yeah, So, now. But to the, to your point, yes, it gives me a lot of uh, leeway where if it was called, you know, pricing tips or the tip pricing tip sheet or, you know, but I think if I had named it, I probably would have named it something like a, a lot of, a lot of them I kind of sign off with here's the thing which is probably what i would call it mm-hmm. which isn't it's just it's kind of like it reminds me of john dick's newsletter which is what we're seeing mm. and I'm like oh that's pretty good i mean for them that's you mm-hmm. know he's got a he's got the a big this company it's research like, based yeah. yeah um but yeah like here's the thing or uh
1: and that's the way it was <laughs> right mm.
0: yeah the Digerville times um But it's not news, so so I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go in that direction. But yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Is that it gives me the freedom? It's just a pain to say, right? Like it's a a pain to be like, well, to there's just no shorthand for it. There's no nickname for it. It's just like the Daily List or something. It's like the Left Set's letter. That's a
1: yeah. That it's still
0: his name, but it doesn't. He can write about TV series or music business or whatever, and it's just like you know from the mind of Bob Leso. <laughs>
1: yes, which is an interesting place. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'll say. He is his own brand.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, you I I take your point. You're right. It's just it's a little bit um it feels a little sloppy.
1: Well, and I think with books, the interesting thing with books is actually not the first book, but the second book, right? Because hmm. if you write more than one, like are you going to use um like similar themes? Um Are you going to use a word like, you know, my first book of of one of one um, (laughs) is the authority code. So would my second book have authority in it? Um, No, I don't think I would do that. Um, But so I think books can be standalone. Ideally, they have something in common when you look at them on your books page. And so the example, I I think of two examples. Um, One is Dan Pink.
0: Yep, I was thinking the same thing.
1: Because I, yeah, I always think of him as a journalistic writer in the sense that he gets absorbed with a topic and then he goes really, really deep and he researches the heck out of it. And then he writes a book. And when he's done with it, like, that's it. Right. (laughs) He does a lot around it. But then the, the next one is on something completely different. And then you have, um, who I keep wanting to say Michalowicz, I'm sorry, Mike, <laughs> um, where his books, they all look different. I mean, Prophet First is probably his most famous book, mm-hmm. but they all revolve around a similar theme and y- they make sense to be on a page together, even though they're different. Right. So it's. The, I think you want to think, you still want to go through the same exercise that you outlined Um, But you want to add that brand question, how does this fit with the brand? And then you want to add another question, really, before you start even writing the book, this is not at the end, is you say, okay, so what do I want to add to this? Um, You know, I had just um, interviewed on Soulless Women, uh, Jenny Blake, who's written now three books, and each one is different. And in fact, her last two are for very different audiences. And it's, you know, and that's what happens, you know, when you're, when you are the kind of experts that we all are, we get interested in different things. And sometimes when we, when we get interested enough, we wind up writing a book, (laughs) right? And so you just want to have them relate to each other in some way. And by the way, little known secret, you can retitle a book, generally not if you have a conventional publisher, but if you've self-published, you have to be careful about how you do it So you're not getting people to buy a second copy of something they already have, but you can absolutely rename and um, republish and remarket a book, even without changing anything other than the title. (laughs) Yeah, most of us would go, ugh. But I've been in some situations where I had people who wrote really good books. They had terrible titles and the 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 subtitle didn't help. (laughs) <laughs> Whereas when once we redid their brand, they had a really clear brand, a really clear message, and the book stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. So in those yeah. situations, yeah, we, we rebranded the book. You know, you don't want to do that, but, right. you know, if you already have them out there and, you know, it's not working. I mean, I don't think he sold more than, you know, 50 copies of the book anyway, so I don't think it mattered. But by repackaging it, he was able to sell a few thousand copies. Oh, so. that's great. Yeah. So I would say that was worth it.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I'm just like, oh, my God. But yeah, that's a great example. The, the sticking out like a sore thumb piece, I think, is the key there. So so pulling this back to naming, if you imagine this sort of content solar system thing. So, so pulling it back to naming, but also the specificity of the sort of nichiness or specialization of the different products and services, the offers, all of your offers. And having them in the same solar system, all revolving around a similar thing, I th- think is good guardrails against something like that happening to you, where something would just seem like out of left field and confusing to to uh, people who might be fans of yours.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, really what we want is, you know, the Kevin Kelly definition of true fans, right? We want to have true fans. And in order to to do that, they have to understand what it is that you are offering them. What's the value that you're providing? And the name is the signal mm-hmm. of the value. It's not necessarily a promise, but it's a signal.
0: And it's a shorthand. It's like a logo in a sense. It's like a word yeah. logo where, you know, like Rob Fitzpatrick, I think that's his name. He wrote The Mom Test. Very easy to remember the name of that book. It almost doesn't matter that it, it almost doesn't. There's a story behind why it's called that but the subtitle is what really tells you what the book is about and the mom test is just this handle that makes it very easy for word of mouth to happen where he's mm-hmm. got another book that i can't remember the name of it's so it's so long it's something like how to write useful books or something like that it's almost impossible to recommend this book to people cuz i can't remember the name of it every single yeah. time it's like just call it useful books and then or something that i can remember and then pe- it'd be way easier to recommend.
1: Which is big on, I mean, that's a big thing with books because most of us, I, mean, I shouldn't say most of us, a lot of us read based on recommendations. Like right. we listen to a podcast and we hear an author. We're like, oh, I want to, I want that book.
0: Right. So then what do you end up doing? You end up, you know, it's like Rob Fitzpatrick's book book, yeah. you know, or the book book. That would have been, that's probably already something called that. But anyway, not to, not to bust on Rob, but just as an example, it's like he's got this one book that's so easy to recommend. They're both. Good books. One's so easy to recommend, and the other one is really hard to recommend. So, like the name, I like the idea of having a name that's this sort of, you know, like Email 365 for that workshop. It's like how to write every, you know, write for your email list every single day. That's a really good name. Well, thank
1: you. Yeah. When you told me that name, I think I remembered saying, yeah, ding, ding, ding. Right. It's
0: just, it's just, it's this little shorthand. I like that. And it's small. It's easy to remember. It's easy to say. And, it's so useful. When you have that, it's so useful. in like all of the messaging, all of that stuff, uh, really, it, it, it doesn't need to encompass everything, but it just needs to be memorable, appropriate, clear, all of that. And yeah, so to me, it's like, to pick it all the way back, it's like, if, if you're having a hard time deciding about the name of your business, it's probably not that important right now. Probably just use your name and then uh, get fancier I guess, with the different things that you start to offer, whether they're products or services.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, the test on um, naming your baby is, do people glom onto it? And you will know the difference, right? I forget when you're first starting, because, you know, everything's new. But after you've been in business for at least a couple of years, you can tell when your people glom onto a name. Like when I used to use the Be Unforgettable oh, people mm-hmm. would use that in emails to me all the time. Like they used <laughs> the words. It was like, right. I know that they got it. And and whether it has staying power is another question. Whether it um, will deliver what it is you want to deliver is another question. But you do want to make sure that there's some resonance with your ideal people when you start using uh, the name, whether it's for a product, a service, or your company.
0: Mm. Yep. Test. Put it in front of some people that you think are the ideal people. Buyers, readers, consumers. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'm gonna pass out because it's time for lunch here. (laughs) We've definitely
1: this is is our first recording after the first. I want to give us credit for recording first thing in the morning the day after New Year's. I feel like I feel like we did good doing that.
0: Yeah. And after a two week break, we're usually all over the road. So hopefully this one, uh hopefully I can edit this one into something we're not repeating ourselves constantly. (laughs) Um, but good, good, good to be back.
1: Happy New Year, everybody.
0: Yeah. Happy New Year. Okay. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.